on GT Channel with Sam Itani, James McKeon, and Taro Koki. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pod Speed, and I think we're on number 44 now. So uh, we are uh, marching our way to number 50. Today, uh, we have a wonderful guest. Um, uh, I think you are the first ever, and maybe are you the only ESP, ESPN uh, female motorsports reporter? Are you still the only, or I know you're the first. So, yeah, one. I was the first ever um, female motorsport analyst, like color commentator on ESPN. Oh, There's a lot of yeah. women are usually sideline reporters. So um, they promoted right, me right, from right, sideline right. into the booth as the expert wow. um, person in the booth. And I believe I was the first, thus paving the way for Danica Patrick. Um, and super proud of my pal, Jamie Little, who used to work with me at ESPN years and years and years ago, who's also now in the booth. So it's great to see more women working in motorsports. Awesome. A true awesome. pioneer. So we are joined today, of course, with uh, our usual crew, uh, James McKeown, uh, the um, our resident Brit, a ringer, race ringer, and uh, the uh, host of No Breaking Podcast. Which uh, glad you remembered that one, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost forgot that one. And of course, Taro Koki, who's uh, the president of G, uh, GT Channel, and he actually makes all this whole pod speed thing happen. So. Um, uh, without further ado, uh, Taro, I hand it off to you. Cool. Thanks, Sam. Um, so, uh, Jen, uh, Horsey, we have our, we have our guest, Jen Horsey. Thanks for uh, being on our show today. Many of our guests we invite to pod speed are, uh, multi-talented. Um, today is no exception. Um, I've known Jen for, uh, quite some time now, um, this podcast is actually turning into like a catch-up with many of my friends in the automotive industry. Um, <laughs> uh, Jen is known for being as an announcer, as Sam has said. Uh, she's also an automotive journalist, um, a rally driver and co-driver, um, communications manager for Pabadekis Racing, and a host on the new uh, Racer podcast, among the many other things that she does, uh, including uh baking a, a mean croissant. <laughs> uh, Jen, thanks for dropping in today. How are you doing today? You guys, thanks so much. That's why I'm honored by my introduction. I appreciate uh, being invited to be part of this. Cool, cool. Hey, Taro, cool. How, uh, how did you meet Jen? Um, I believe it was when um, at, Formula, at a Formula Drift event, uh, maybe Tanner was still drifting back, back in the day. Uh, you were doing some PR work for him, I think. Um, do you remember when we met? Yeah, that sounds about right. If if a bit if a bit hazy, I started getting involved in Formula Drift in like 2007, maybe with the Humanet team, 2006, somewhere around then. Um, and then joined Papadakis Racing in 2010 uh, because I was doing PR communications work with Tanner Faust, which I did for like. A decade long time so oh, somewhere yeah. in there i would think <laughs> yeah it's 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 2020 already that's <laughs> it's 2021 2021 oh my god there was that, that whole lost quarantine year that like didn't yeah happen. yeah so that's okay that you can year, be forgiven for that <laughs> that one year didn't happen um yeah. so you know I, I saw you actually last week for a uh a video shoot we did uh for a client of ours tireamerica.com but um, let's just go over some of the things um, because our listeners and viewers were, are probably interested to hear about uh, how you 
got into this space and you know you're originally Canadian or you still are Canadian um, how you ended up here you're living in the states now and uh, doing what you do um, love the story of how you got into racing and, and rally racing uh, let, let, let's start from there how did you like get into the racing world in the first place so we're going way back um, to like the early, very early thousands. Um, and at the time I was a journalist, I was a news reporter for Canadian Press, which is affiliated with Associated Press. Um, just to give you, to date myself exactly, my first big story was 9-11. So that was what I was doing. I was writing news, um, crime and tragedy and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but as a junior reporter, you are just assigned to whatever's gonna happen. And I learned very early in my career that as long as you had something beside your name, you, they would just skip to the next person with a blank. Mm -hmm. So on the weekends, because it's a 24 seven business, I used to assign myself to stuff that I thought my friends would find fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, my boyfriend at the time and I had just bought a, a Subaru uh, Bug Eye 03, one of the first in Canada. Um, and he was like, well, like, what is there, you know, what is this like rally thing? And I was like, I don't know, but like, turns out there's a championship stop nearby and it's coming up, let's go. Mm -hmm. So I went, um, put that beside my name and was like, I'll be out of office working on this. Uh, and took a friend with me or at the time, my boyfriend and um, literally knew nothing about motorsport, didn't grow up in motorsport. Uh, thought that the metally thing and the rubbery thing of a wheel tire combination, when you got a flat tire, you had to throw that whole thing away, like mm -hmm. knew nothing um, and fell in love with it, standing on the side of the road in the woods, mm -hmm. seeing cars go by at 120 miles an hour sideways. Yeah. I was just like, what is this? Um, right. And so I was at the banquet at the end of the race, um, as you do when you're covering something and I'm sitting at the mm -hmm. table and the guy over here is a seven time North American championship winner. This guy's a shop owner who prepares all the cars and lead mechanic on the guy who wins the race, who's sitting here, like looking around the table. I'm like, yeah, I get all of this. Mm -hmm. The guy to my left was in his mid fifties, which at the time I thought was old. And now I'm like, Ooh, staring that in the face. Um, and I was like, okay, so I get all of this. This all makes sense. <laughs> I mean, so I'm like, all of this makes sense. What is your deal? Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand not growing up in motorsport, not really following it. I didn't understand this concept of privateer. And yeah. he said, well, um, it's a hobby. My wife and I've been doing it for a long time, about five years. I think we're ready to retire and put our money, sell the car, put our money into a sailboat. I asked him mm -hmm. how much turned out not that much. And since mm -hmm. I had a full-time job and a little bit of income, I bought it. Um, so I bought, <laughs> so went from don't know what a wheel and tire combination is to owner of race car team. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a 93 Mazda 323 prepared by the best shop in Canada. Turns out mm -hmm. like I lucked out perfect starter car. Um, it was so well cared for. It had 98 horsepower. And I know this because the guy who was sitting there had dynoed it because mm -hmm. he was so proud of it. Mm -hmm. um, but just perfect starter car. Um, and I started racing as a driver. And it turns out if you break a lot of stuff, you learn how it works. So mm -hmm. I have definitely gone from not knowing anything about how cars work to being in one of the sports where you break all the things all the time yeah, and being yeah. pretty familiar now with how things work. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's how I got started. So I started out as a driver, um, 
How did and you learn how of, to drive though? Though you, you, you didn't. Again, you know, like right? you crash enough times, you learn how to stay on the road. Uh, well, that's, yeah, how James, it's all, that's how James, James learned. So. <laughs> I mean, ultimately is it's all trial by fire. So um, there are some great regional events in every region of the US and Canada. I was in Canada at the time, some really great regionals, very supportive and welcoming community. Um, and people were just kind of there for me to show me how it all worked. I was so slow at first, like so slow. Um, and then I crashed a lot really slowly, which doesn't hurt that much. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, you just kind of learn. I'm at my first national, <laughs> I remember going and I show up for my first national, you have to complete two regional events to qualify for a license that gets you into a national. And so mm -hmm. I've like, by the skin of my teeth, I've, I've finished these two events. and six-time North American champion looks at me and he's like a steward of the event and like a very senior official and he's like in my day we waited a couple of years before we tried this event and I was like uh, uh, uh. Um, and it three, was, week, three you know, weeks into owning a car totally totally and if you know anything about Canadian rally it was the tall pines rally and it was a snowy year um, I had uh, with my car purchase bought 30 mounted wheels and tires. I bought a full spare car. I bought a trailer. Like I just, I bought a whole two helmets, two racing suits. Like I bought everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I was pretty well prepared, but I think my co-driver, like, God bless him. I think we went off five times and sweep kept pulling us out and letting us go in front of them and as long as we could stay in front of them they let us stay in the race like dead last <laughs> like dead last how did you find a co-driver to go with you though wasn't that I, your boyfriend no 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 it wasn't <laughs> um so uh because i was a journalist i had a few opportunities come my way and one of them was the opportunity to learn how to co-drive from the rare combination of driver co-driver person. There aren't that many people who do both. Um, and a person that I had met who was working in events had invited me to come and co-drive for him at Target Newfoundland. Um, so in the like six months from purchasing a car <laughs> to trying to campaign the season ender, in there had come a 10-day experience in Newfoundland uh, as a co-driver. And mm -hmm in exchange for me co-driving him, he foolishly agreed to co-drive me. He was like, <laughs> I mean, kudos to him. He was very patient um, and he got us to the end of the race, which I now realize is very much the co-driver's job is to kind of keep the driver's head in the game, et cetera. Um, and as it turns out, I'm a mediocre mid backpack driver. Like I got better. I'm reasonably competitive in two wheel drive, but I would not consider myself a driver um, in the intervening many years now, um, I've spent more time in the right seat as a co-driver and I'm pretty competitive at that. And it's kind of fun perspective to be in the co-driver's seat and really understanding what the car can do, even if mm -hmm. I can't make it do it. Yeah, yeah. What um, uh, what does it take to become a, a good co-driver compared to <laughs> a driver? So I get asked this all the time and the answer is, is it's physiology. I would say you have to be the human being who as a child could be upside down in the footwell of your mom's station wagon, reading an Archie comic and eating cotton, like sickly sweet cotton candy and not getting at all nauseous. And yeah. if you were that kid and you've never been car sick ever, you can probably be a co-driver. There's other things, you know, focus, organization, those sorts of things. But really it comes down to, do you get motion sick? If the answer is no, you're halfway there. It's, you know, none of us are going to be pro basketball players because none of us are seven feet tall, I assume. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, it's the physiology first. Yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, a co-driver is pretty much looking down at the notes the entire time the yeah. car is moving, right? So, you know, you don't really appreciate it that much, but I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're looking down while the car is flying through the woods. Um, and if you're, if you become car sick, I'm, I'm, you know, that's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah, no, we, um, so the way I'm actually, I think I have some notes sitting over there, but I can't reach them. The way that we do it, um, it's sort of a symbolic code of mm -hmm. corners and straightaways and bumps and turns. We have everything on the road, unlike short course or unlike off-road racing, like the Baja 1000, where it's mostly mm -hmm. hazards and then a few other things. Yeah. We have everything. So we're a, about a page a mile is how it mm -hmm. works out with the density of information we have. Mm -hmm. And do you think I'm talking a lot now? Try me in the co-driver's seat because right. it's nonstop and right, we right, just right. talk fully the whole way but we're so far down like we're very low and we're set very far back for weight balance yeah. in the car i'm equipment right like I'm yeah, the, yeah. it's not about my comfort so i'm sitting <laughs> down balance. and back right i might yeah. not be able to see over the dashboard i might be mm -hmm. able to see tree line yeah. um and you're going so fast that if you look up you will get behind. So it's yeah. just a constant stream. So what I'm doing as a co-driver is if I've said left five, which is kind of like a medium left into right three, which is like a, a 90 degree right turn. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting to feel that left five before I call the next thing after the, the three and I'm mm -hmm. feeling it. I'm not yeah. seeing it come up and, and calling it. I'm just feeling it and going through. So I'm usually a couple turns behind and I have to be very conscious of where my body is in space mm -hmm. versus what I'm reading and, and predicting basically for the driver, a couple turns ahead. Right, right, right. That's incredible. So you you have to basically feel where the car is, right. And you're looking at the notes and telling the driver what is coming up. How many like corners ahead are you, are you ahead when you're calling these? It very much depends on the driver and it depends on the vehicle that you're in. Like if you're in a very fast, open class, front of the pack car, um, I'm calling, you know, that left three at the end of a hundred yards, basically on top of itself yeah. um, and trying to get a couple corners ahead. Basically, I want to be basically one or two corners ahead of what the driver can see so that mm. he knows if I say left, what did I say? Left five into right three. Mm -hmm. He needs to know when he starts that left five, mm -hmm. that there's a 90 degree right-hand turn at the end of that, that five so that he mm -hmm. can position the car to get the best run on that. Right. He also right, needs right. to know it's there. Cause if he doesn't, it might look like it opens up, but it doesn't, it does this. Yeah, so yeah. Um, they're looking at tree line and they're looking at road conditions and they're looking at lines. Like they do have visual input, obviously, mm -hmm. sure. but I'm really helping them basically drive ahead of what they can see. Yeah, yeah. So for those of um, our our listeners and viewers who who've not that who are not that familiar with with rally, um, you guys obviously run the course beforehand to what was that called? Rec? Is that is it called? To it's, what's it called? Uh, you know, FIA runs motorsport, right? Yeah. So there's lots of French yeah. terms and everything. Park yeah. expose, park framing, reconnaissance, right? We're doing oh, okay. reconnaissance, and we call right. it recce in. Recce, that's right that's right and yeah. so how does that happen so how like how many days ahead do you go and like your driver is with you when you do these notes right when you when you go and do the um recce's yeah so i start with a blank notebook and um well <laughs> i do because i no longer compete but if i was a regular competitor i'd probably start with last year's notes mm -hmm. um so we are shown we are given um 
instructions for where we're going to go. We're not allowed to run the roads at speed. We mm -hmm. have usually a 30 mile an hour speed limit. And when, when we see these roads, we'll see them at 130 miles an hour. Right. And yeah. they're like the twisty, sketchy roads to your ski chalet or to your summer yeah. cabin. Like they're not, these are narrow, sometimes like barely more than a goat trail kind of roads. Mm -hmm. um, and we're allowed to traverse them um, the day before usually. Mm -hmm. And we're allowed to go over them twice. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes if there's time, you go over them three times, but there's never time because we're doing at least a hundred miles of competitive stages um, linked together with non-competitive transits. Um, so we go through the entire route and I'm he's saying what he's seeing and I'm just writing it down. And then we go through a second time and I read it and he makes amendments to things that he wants to see. And I say he, but could be she, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I have raced with a couple of female drivers as well, which has been super mm -hmm. fun. Um, but yeah. And, uh, who are, uh, some of the guys that you've, uh, you've, uh, raced with and competed with? So back in the day, I, uh, competed sometimes with ACP, Andrew Carmery Picard. Um, mm -hmm. and most recently, just for a fun run, I was with a guy named Andrew Sutherland, who's very fast in the California mm -hmm. series. We were in a 400 and something horsepower, supercharged front wheel drive Honda Civic. So you can, I mean, you can really take anything to a rally. Like there are yeah. Datsuns, there are old Fords, there are brand new Subarus. Like it, it's mm -hmm. anything. We all run in kind of different classes. Um, and then I had the weird job for two years at X Games mm -hmm. of being a, a ride along reporter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so two people, we were head to head format at that time. And they had two people as live reporters mic'd to air riding along in the race cars, giving reporting from the field, mm -hmm. from the track. Yeah. Um, and in that experience, I got to ride with Ken Block and Travis Pastrana and Bucky Lassick and yeah. the late Dave Mira and mm -hmm. Andy Manson and basically the entire X Games field at the time, which was Matt Johnson, which was very fun and kind of like one of the more insane things I think ESPN has ever done. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, that's crazy. Is that when they were doing it like at the Coliseum back in the day? Yeah, so I think we did one year at the Home Depot Center and one year at the Coliseum um, mm -hmm. of that particular experience. Um, and what uh, gave at my time, at the time, the producer's name was Phil Orleans. And I think what mm -hmm. gave him the idea was that the year before, before I had competed as a co-driver and we had somewhat spectacularly front flipped over the gap jump. There's a 70 foot gap jump in those courses. Mm -hmm. uh, it was on the cover of magazines, like ever, yeah, it was yeah. definitely the high re highlight real crash. I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think he figured I was a pit reporter at the time. He's like, well, you're not going to crash worse than that. Right. I was like, yeah. no, he's like, <laughs> do you want to do it again on TV? I'm like, I hope we don't crash like that again, but yes. So. Cool. And then uh, what, what happened after that? Did did that um, prompt you to move here in the U.S. and pursue your your you know journal journalist career? How did how did that uh, evolve yeah, into what so, you're doing right now? I mean, the reality of Canada is, I you know, it's still my home. I have citizenship there. That is the place when I say I'm going to go home. I mean Canada. I mean Toronto. Um, I try to get back there for the IndyCar race. I try to get back there, um, whenever I can. And prior to quarantine, that was like every month for a little while and for the summer for a couple of months. Um, but the reality with motorsport is, I mean, Canada's population is a 10th of the U S which means kind of the budgets are about a 10th of the U S too. 
Um, and it costs just as much to race a car in Canada as it does to race in the United States. So uh, for what I do, which now is motorsport marketing and communications, it's hard for a Canadian team to afford me. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been working mostly in the United States for the past nine, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, how did you um, land the, uh, the GRC gig? That was an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I think that came out of sort of organically out of X Games. And then also um, Tanner was one of the first drivers to commit to Rallycross. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was the first American actually to run a, a European Rallycross championship mm -hmm. event. Yeah. Um, and so I was working closely with him. I was going back and forth to Europe doing the races. And um, his manager at the time was his publicist. His manager at the time got together with another friend and decided to start this series. Mm -hmm. And so I was there in the founding. I was the founding comms director. You, you know, we put Marcus Grunholm in front of everyone because he was our, our most famous driver, yeah. um, famous European driver. Obviously, we ended up with Travis Pastrana and Ken Block and all of the, and yeah, yeah. Tanner Faust and all of the, the fantastic American drivers. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I worked there and then sort of my whole career, I've crossed the line between doing comms and PR and marketing and journalism and on-air stuff. And I know you're not supposed to be able to do that, but it has been, I've been fantastically fortunate to be able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. always sort of saying, Hey, you know, sometimes I do marketing PR stuff and here's my clients. Um, and uh, I was just fortunate enough to be involved. Um, and I was on air at the time for ESPN. So when we founded that series in the US, um, I continued in that role as an analyst. And then um, we switched to NBC and I turned into a producer. And that mm -hmm. has actually been super fun. I've really enjoyed being behind the scenes and kind of calling the shots as it were. I always thought the talent actually picked what we got to say as it turns mm -hmm. out really it isn't up to us at all it's up to somebody mm -hmm. in a truck who's saying okay hey we're going to talk about that wheel now <laughs> yeah 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 i never knew how um how much producers like to talk in your ear until i became a, a pit reporter for for alms uh i was you know so sam mentioned you're probably the first female um analyst right uh to call the the races I probably think I'm the first Japanese to to be a ESPN pit reporter for for any kind of race on, on ESPN. Um, I realized that later, but um, when I first got on the pit lane, you know, they they are well. First of all, the feed is in your ear constantly, right? Right, and then the producers like talking to you, you know, say this, say <laughs> that, and and the audience obviously doesn't see any of this, but you know, it was at first, you know, I, I was really confused with all the talking going on <laughs> in my ear. Um, so uh, what, what you, yeah. You, and I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't even see the race. My first race, like I didn't have a screen. So like mm -hmm. I could see one corner, which doesn't yeah. tell you very much in a fast moving rally cross kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, you're listening so hard. I remember people would like say hi or ask for an autograph and I'd just be like stony face staring forward. Cause it's like, I, this part is not interesting. I am all ears right now I'm trying to yeah, figure yeah. out what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's very, 
it was very confusing for me. I, I don't I don't know how you did it because <laughs> you had to talk the whole entire be, time. Yeah, I'm delighted. Well, I think co-driving, to be honest, is good preparation for that because you're kind of a little disassociated from what's happening and yeah, trying yeah. to pay attention and track multiple things. Mm -hmm. But definitely I enjoy the producer role, which is just as high energy and just as insane in the truck, mm -hmm. um, but uh, a different a different thing. And I've really mm -hmm. enjoyed that. Cool, cool. And then um, did that uh, working with the Red Bull Global Rallycross um, lead to you working more with Red Bull? Is that is that how that happened? No, I mean, yeah. I have worked in action sport for so long that I definitely got to know some of the people at Red Bull um, mm -hmm. and an opportunity came up for me to work uh, and lead communications for the Southwest region, which I did for the past year. Um, mm -hmm. Very strange year to try and work a new job. Um, I started just before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and actually I did that for about a year, just a little bit over a year. And now mm -hmm. I'm back to doing uh, communications and marketing work for some of my private clients. So it was really great to be at Atlanta last weekend with Formula Drift. I very much missed the crowds, very much missed the scene. So it was really nice to be back. Yeah, how was that? Tell us about uh, how Formula Drift was last weekend. It was not the result Pavodokas Racing wanted. I think we're eighth mm -hmm. and 10th in the standings right now, mm -hmm. which is we're usually first and second or second and third. Mm -hmm. um, I work with Frederick Osbo and Ryan Turk. Um, we had, uh, we've got a new vehicle for this in the Supra with Frederick driving. Mm -hmm. um, we debuted it last year, again, kind of a weird year, compressed schedule, double header mm -hmm. weekends. It hasn't yep. really shaken down yet. So mm -hmm. we're still finding a few little teething things. And one of the things that we found is that our suspension design or suspension mounting design um, maybe wasn't optimized for the elevation changes that you see at Atlanta. Not exactly mm. sure what happened, but we did have a failure. It was through our engineering. It was none of our partner components. Um, mm. So we had a failure. Um, he drove gamely through his chase run, but wasn't mm. able to stick it. Um, and then uh, Ryan had an issue as well. He he just went wide on a corner. That track is very tricky and the sun was going down. It was getting cold and he did not have as much grip as he thought he did going into that first corner. So um, definitely not the result we had hoped for, but man, it was nice to be back at a race with fans and autograph lines and yeah, it just yeah. kind of not quite normal yet. There's people are wearing masks, we're a little, we're keeping to ourselves a little bit more than usual, mm -hmm. but to have the energy of fans in the grandstands, it's obviously that's an outdoor venue. There's no indoor encounters that anyone's gonna have. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't uh, engaging fans under the tent, but to have a few um, partners and close people to us come under the tent and actually mm -hmm. see us and like, I'm fully vaccinated. So I got a chance to like hug some people I haven't hugged in <laughs> over a year. Um, so it, it really does feel kind of like we're reemerging into something and um, it feels good. feels really good. That's good. Did they have the autograph sessions and everything too? With the fans? Wow. Yeah, full yeah. autograph session. Um, again, you know, people moving pretty quickly and out of doors and limiting contact a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's uh we're we were in it, we were in Georgia and mm -hmm. uh the restrictions aren't super strong there. So um and their numbers are pretty good. So I think there's a there's a feeling that as long as we're outdoors, it's it's reasonably safe. So um it, as I say, it felt felt really good to be sort of getting back to normal. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, we've we've had Steph on the show. We've had um, Frederick on the show as well. Um, I think I asked this question to to them as well. But you know, um, Pavodex Racing is like 
one of the most winningest teams in Formula Drift, if not. Um, why do you think that team is so successful and special? Um, so I've been with them as long as since just before we picked up Freddie. So Freddie mm -hmm. won Rookie of the Year in 2010. And I was with the team with uh, Tanner as a, because I was working with Tanner specifically. Mm -hmm. When Tanner went to Rallycross, I stayed with Tanner and then Steph invited me to join the team to work with Freddie. So mm -hmm. I was able to do both, which is great. So I've been with that team for a decade or longer now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a family. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, a lot of us in the family are a little bit, um, maybe a little obsessive um, mm -hmm. or very focused on sort of continuous improvement. Uh, Toyota uses the Japanese phrase Kaizen. And I mm -hmm. think that's something that we embody as a team. We're just constantly looking to optimize, constantly looking to improve. I think sometimes people are a little surprised, you know, we'll take a one, two uh, result. And then we come back into the tent. It's like, okay, what can we do better? <laughs> and it's like, mm -hmm. well, aren't you going to celebrate? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. But like, what can we do that's better? So mm -hmm. we're always, and we're always kind of looking for the new thing. Steph is super smart. He loves mm -hmm. developing. He loves working yeah. on the car. Mm -hmm. um, he loves, be, he's disruptive. He likes to, mm -hmm. to just be doing things that people are just like, what are you people doing? Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, the drivers are very involved. Uh, Freddie has made huge contributions to design and setup of the vehicles that he's driven with the team. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just a lot of mutual respect and trust in the team. That is what I think is the foundation for success. We all know we are trying our best to be the best and really mm -hmm. nothing else is going to make any of us happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great mindset to have, you know, for a championship team, you, you, you need that mindset. You need that champion mindset, right? Um, Sam, uh, James, you guys um, have any questions? I've got a couple more, um, but feel free to jump in if you guys have anything you want to. Um, Jen, Jen, you uh, you co-drove for uh, with one of my good good friends, Steve Millen, too, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Crazy. So we yeah. many years ago, ten years ago now, I can't believe it was that long ago. Uh, he invited me to compete at Target New Zealand with yeah. him in the Nissan, and uh, that was actually a relief. Yep. And yeah. that was a really funny moment for me because I went from the GTR straight mm -hmm. to Targa Newfoundland and I was competing with Ralph Gilles in a Viper. So I went like back to back GTR Viper, which could not be more different wow. <laughs> competitive experiences. Two very fast cars though. So that's Two cool. very fast cars. One that definitely feels like it wants to swap ends and one that feels very stable and like doing its thing. So I, um, the GTR was pretty impressive machine. Um, we did win the internet. We did not win the race. I think we were fourth, um, mm. but we uh, got bored and decided to race a helicopter while we were doing a test day at uh, a ranch where the gentleman had a stunt helicopter and we had the car and there was a runway. So we did, we have these amazing pictures of the car and the helicopter, like racing, trying to do a quarter mile, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Uh, how, how was uh, how was Steve as uh, as a teammate? He's great, very focused. Obviously, a professional. Um, yeah, 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 we yeah. the Targan. Uh, I mean, obviously, his home turf too, right? We're in New Zealand, New Zealand um, yeah. so we went. We started at his home. I got to visit the Millen family home and see pictures. And you know, I know Reese pretty well. I saw a picture of Reese. 
I had it on my phone, but it was a Blackberry and I didn't download the photo. I have this amazing image of Reese from his grandma's house of like him holding his helmet as like his first professional driver's suit. And he had flock of seagulls bangs that like came out to here and they were like bleached white. And I was like, how did you put them under your helmet? And he was like, yeah, no, like literally I had to fold them under and like, um, but yeah, so it was a really, a really fantastic experience. He's obviously a cool, cool customer. Um, we were trying to figure out how to optimize kind of an interesting variation on the target format that that New Zealand race does. Um, very competitive. Uh, and it was a, a great experience. Beautiful too, isn't it? I mean, the scenery there and oh yeah, my gosh, really scenic. Yeah, I've I never, mean, and I've never been to New Zealand, never done it, but that's one of the races I've always wanted to do, is, you know. Yeah, we go in the fall. I mean, it's so lush and green and beautiful, hilly, and Steve knows the roads and he knows the conditions. Yeah, so he knows, like, mm. when you see a little skiff of moss on the road, that it's going to be super slick, like very icy. <laughs> you come up over a rise and you come down over a curve, and like, you look. I mean, not that I had time to look around that much, but you look off to the into the <laughs> distance and you just see sheep. At, like it looks like grains of rice that have been shit scattered on the on the landscape. Like so beautiful, so beautiful. Awesome. James, do you have anything? Yeah, I was gonna ask, Jen, when you were a, a co-driver, did you ever have to do any of the things where you'd be sometimes maybe seen outside of the car to balance the wheels out? For example, you had a puncture to go to the next over station. Is that something you managed to achieve, or were you lucky enough to sort of miss out on those things? Yeah, I mean, I will admit that the cars have not always felt particularly roadworthy on the final transits back to the final service or back to service. Um, yep. I have been fortunate enough that I have not had to counterbalance. Like often you'll tear off a corner of the car, You're not supposed to do this anymore, um, but back certainly in my day, in my range of time, um, you get a co-driver who will like counterbalance on the front right of the car to, to balance off a wheel. So there's not as much weight on it. So the car can limp its way back to service. You're, you, there's only so much you can do to fix it in the woods. Um, I have been fortunate enough to avoid it, but I do remember seeing Alex Gelsomino, who's Ken Block's co-driver doing that mm -hmm. once, which is pretty amazing to see. Um, and definitely there have been frantic roadside repairs and trying to figure out how to get water for radiators that have punctured and lots of innovation with toe straps. And I always carry like a, I carry electrical tape with me. I carry um, like a locking wrench with me cause you can, you can close off a brake line. Um, and there's just like a bunch of little things that you always have with you to, for all the crazy things that happened. Yeah, like the manual windscreen wipers and everything else you have to do occasionally. So uh, there is a thing called um, like no fog or anti-fog. You can get it at any gas station pretty much. It mm -hmm. has like a, a very 80s lady on the cover on the packet. It's like a little red and black packet. And that stuff is amazing because yeah, there's no <laughs> heat or air conditioning in the car, right? So when you get a lot of condensation from breathing or whatever, um, there is a little bit usually of air plumbed up into the windshield to try and keep it dry, but often, fogging windshields, especially when something backs up or a vent blocks or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that stuff is a miracle. Like I have that saved, I used it at Olympus two weeks ago. Like it is amazing. So I keep some of that in my co-driver bag. So I only have to wet the windshield down once. See, wow. perfect. And then nice. obviously um, uh, I understand from some of the folks that you may have taken up baking in the past year on a more <laughs> serious note. So what <laughs> tips for our listeners and our viewers would you have from regards to baking? Sam is yeah. a terrible baker, so I, he will I'm take horrible. anything, anything that you can give him. And she's uh, <laughs> she doesn't eat gluten. Jen doesn't eat gluten, and she bakes. I don't even <laughs> eat it, which is irony. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I will. I will just package up some goodies there for you, Sam. You don't have to make them yourself. It's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> process. It, it literally takes three days to make croissants. Um, at the start of the pandemic, like everybody else, I'm like, well, there's no race cars. Now what do I do? Um, so I took up baking and I did the sourdough thing. So my advice there is sourdough starter takes longer to start and be functional than you think. So it says like three days, you should start to see bubbles. Yeah. You can't really use it in any meaningful way for like a month. Okay. Um, really? so yeah. that's, that's one piece of advice. Everyone tries to use their sourdough starter right away. Cause they get all excited and it's like, just use somebody else's and then make your own later. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the croissants and stuff. I, I don't, I mean, it's more art than science, but there's something in use Kerrygold butter because it's high enough fat content that it won't shatter when you go to roll it out. So those are my two, those are my two big tips. Uh, I and then know what you're talking about. So yeah. I had a whole year to perfect okay. it. Man. Like, oh, I do. <laughs> and what, what things do you miss from Canada, Jen, that you can't get here? Oh, that's interesting. I'm curious what you miss. I, I miss, so we have um, different candy. You you and I are simpatico in the candy. Um, so the chocolate's a little bit different. So what you guys call in the US call rockets, like those weird powder, like, rockets. or you call them smart, you call them smarties, those weird powder candy smarties. things. <laughs> we call them, so we have like a version of M&Ms called smarties that are different colored. And they only um, have the answer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, when you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so we have those. So I miss some food stuffs probably. And then um, I get called out for saying sorry all the time. And I say it like a Canadian. It's one of my few remaining accented sorry. Canadian words. Because why would about? I say sorry in the US? About? I obviously. About? Uh, yeah. So in Canada, it took me a long time to realize everyone goes a boot. It's like, it's not a boot. It rhymes with, in Canada, it rhymes with oats. So it's a boat. Um, but my Canadian Probably accent is, uh, it comes back if I've had a couple drinks, if I'm with Canadians, if I'm with people from like Wisconsin or somewhere where there's a more Canadian mm. style accent, but it's mostly gone. You just hear it in sorry. I get called out for sorry all the time. Jen, where are you uh, headquartered now? Uh, this hey, is lovely. Hi. This is lovely Venice Beach. Oh, okay. You are, you're LA. And with the yeah. world's most immovable cat <laughs> yes uh he, he wards he wards off of course i did all the things in quarantine right broke up with my boyfriend learned to bake adopted oh, a dog <laughs> so he is he's warding off the dog because oh. the dog that i adopted is a great dane and he does he's not helpful in podcasts ah okay oh Jen, can you tell us about your podcast yeah yeah that's where i was going go uh, excellent well, segue. Yep. thank you yeah. <laughs> i love the team at race um, so by the way. i am one of the they're fantastic. So I'm yeah. working with Racer Magazine. Mm. We are doing the IndyCar Debrief podcast. Um, and we meet almost every Thursday to review the IndyCar Fantasy League points and help give you tips and tricks for uh, placing your bets in IndyCar Fantasy League. Um, and you can find it on racer.com on Thursdays and on the YouTube channel. You can see it there, Fantasy Update. That's our little five minute shorty and the IndyCar Debrief. Um, posted there. And so I'm co-host with um, Connor Daly and Lawrence Foster from Racer Magazine. And we give our best advice. I'm, I'm there as the love IndyCar casual fan, don't know a ton. Um, 
and am learning more and more about the sport um, and trying to, cause I'm super competitive. So I'm trying to win our fantasy league. So it's a, it's a fun crash course. Who, in, who do you uh, have in your fantasy league? league? So we get to pick every week. So I have oh, to do okay. some research because our next race is on the IndyCar road course. Right. I've been told I need to look at willpower. So well, I will awesome. see. Yeah. Great year, no, he isn't. But apparently mm -hmm. this is his redemption moment. We'll see. I, um, I'm pretty good friends with uh, the uh, Andretti team. Obviously they were in rallycross mm -hmm. as well. Right. And specifically Alex Rossi, he has not been performing very well for me. Oh, so it may be time to swap him out. Too. Yeah. He's been having a tough year to be fair. Um, so I've been very committed to that and may, may swap him out, but we'll see month of May. I mean, he's a 500 winner. So maybe, maybe now is the time that that's going to pay off. Um, and I'll be curious to see for the 500, how Simone de Silvestre does, um, Obviously, I am seeing Connor on the show, so he's he's often a pick. Um, <laughs> and today we're actually going to interview Romain Grosjean, and mm -hmm. I think it's a crazy rookie field at IndyCar this year. Um, Jimmy Johnson, Roman Grosjean, like how am I calling these people rookies? Um, but mm -hmm. tremendously um, diverse field. Colton Herta is one of my my often oh, picks. Worked with amazing, his dad a little bit in Rallycross. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very talented young driver. So be on the lookout um, for a. Oh God, I don't know if I could say his name. Was it Palou? Um, uh, yeah, uh, Pal you know. One of yeah, our and he's he's podium this year. Fantastic, yeah. He won, yeah, he won. Yep, yeah. So Pato Award. Paul Finer? Do you work with Paul Finer over there? I haven't seen him in forever because of of quarantine, but oh, usually right. see him pretty regularly at the races. So. Right. Okay. Are you going to the Indy 500 this month? Yeah. So tune in on Thursdays. That is an open conversation. I would love mm -hmm. to. Um, I I love the Indy. 500 opening ceremonies. It is the most American thing on the planet. I mean, <laughs> I feel proud to be an American and I'm not even an American at the 500 mm. opening ceremonies <laughs> with the anthem and the flyovers and all the people and the like, it's just so amazing. So I would love to go back, but uh, that remains to be seen at this point. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jen. Uh, you give me the um, your pick for the Indy 500. <laughs> we'll give you ours. One, one race driver. We'll keep it simple. I mean, I'm just going to go for Alex Rossi because he's my, he's he's my default guy, yeah. pick. Okay. Yeah, I, he, I mean, he won uh, with Brian Herta doing race strategy. There was a fuel strategy win and he is a fantastic driver and he knows how to come through the pack and he just incredibly competitive. And I really want to see him drive across that finish line at the front of a competitive field. Um, strategy is nobody cares how you win a race, right? You win, you've won. But mm -hmm. I think he deserves to drive across the finish line in anger and get that finish instead of like kind of limping across and running out of gas right at the end. Mm. James, who, who do you think? Um, I would go with uh, my friend and most aggressive shaver of the IndyCar field, Mr. Scott Dixon. He is the one that I would pick. Well, uh, I always like to legend, go with him. So, yeah, that's and his shaving is so aggressive. Um, I've never seen anyone shave like him. So it's uh, that's one of the ways I pick him to go for the number what two. What about you, Carl? Uh, I'll just have to go for uh, Takuma for uh, number three. Takuma? No, uh, yeah, that's that's that's. that's it's a it's a it's a long shot, with, but uh, I, think, I want him to win I'm three. Go, uh, yeah, I'll go with I, I I would I'll go with Graham Rahal. Yeah, he's got a so, good chance. I think he's got he, a good he's chance. Due. He's due. Yeah, so, exactly. Okay, that's so. that was my second choice. Anyways, awesome, Jane. Bye. Keep him. You are. 
Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, doesn't count. All right, Jen. Jen, uh, you uh, you are keeping busy. Is there anything you want to plug besides the, the podcast? You must have a million things. I mean, watch Formula Drift on the live stream. Come out and hang with us at races because it is time, and we can do that if you would like to follow me on Instagram. Are you accessible, or are you uh, like? I mean, is there like do you have a posse around you where? I mean, it's it's we're at open pits at Formula Drift. Come and hang out. I'm in the big Rockstar rig. Hard to miss us. Um, There you can see on my Instagram channel. There you can see a picture of the new uh, livery on the car, which I'm pretty stoked about. And this actually pretty sums up pretty much sums up my life. A little bit of race car, (laughs) a little bit of baking, (laughs) a little bit of uh, IndyCar debrief. It's a very and diverse the, uh, Instagram account. And, and the racer yeah, so podcast. make sure you catch up with us on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Yep, racer.com and also on the Racer YouTube channel. Um, you're looking for the IndyCar debrief and we're there most Thursdays. Just check for us because otherwise we'll do a little debrief, a little brief debrief for you. So cool, cool. Awesome. Are you doing right. ESPN stuff still? I won't be this year, but who knows in the future? You okay. never do know. Any video game stuff like you've done before? So I, the, um, the game that I have co-driven for a couple of editions. So I did, um, dirt three as like an option buried in a menu. And then dirt four, I was the default female American co-driver for the, so, so if you would like to, (laughs) so if you would like to sort of suffer through me talking notes at you nonstop for hours of gameplay, uh, feel free to log in and select Jen Horsey. I mean, uh, your other option is Nikki Grist. So like forgivable if you choose Nikki Grist as your co-driver, he is a legend. Um, but uh, yeah, co-driving on uh, Dirt 4. How, how realistic is that? Like, is that how you would be barking the um, uh, the instructions? Yeah, in, so in for Dirt, Dirt 3, we actually ran the entire World Rally Championship. We did the actual course with the actual notes, which was wow. a very cool wow. experience. I realized kind of partway through, I'm like, I'm calling the entire wow. WRC Championship wow. in one day. Like, this yeah. is insane. <laughs> um, for Dirt 4, they made more flexibility in the game and they made it a little bit more modular. So I'm actually calling um, what they call tiles that assemble together. So the courses are modular and change all the time. Um, and so those are a little bit, uh, less time for how I would do it and more optimized mm. for gameplay and, and player. Um, but it's pretty close. And for Dirt 4, they actually put me in a simulator. So they made me like go over bumps and stuff while oh, I was no calling kidding. it for oh, a little bit voice, of Veritas. So your voice kind of like, you know, it, 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 it's just yeah. connected by the terrain and all that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. pretty crazy. That's yeah, just crazy. going that's for a little bit much. of Veritas. It, it almost like no, don't do that. I can't understand what you say. No, over the bumps. But. Yeah, I remember the weirdest thing they did. Uh, they You have pages of like noise that you have to record. So um, crash noise. So you crash and then they're like, okay, we need to hear your reaction. And then they're like, mm, that sounds like you're getting hurt. We don't want you to sound like you're getting hurt. Like, can you bring it down a little bit? Uh, and then there was, uh, hey, you need to get distracted more. I'm like, well, but I don't get distracted. He's like, okay, for all of these notes, I need you to make a mistake. And one of the things that I was reacting to was a drone flying over the car and they wanted me to like lose my place because of a drone. I was like, nah, I'm never going to lose my place because of a drone. Like that's stupid. <laughs> and then literally a couple weeks ago at the Olympus rally, there's a drone, never seen a drone that close to the car, totally muffed a note. <laughs> so, so it's, it's pretty real. real life. It's pretty real. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, uh, Jen, thanks for uh, being on our show. Uh, good luck on uh, 
the racer podcast and, and good luck on the formula drift season. I will see you around, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, tomorrow. See you actually. in a couple of days. <laughs> yes. Of, yes. Yeah. Oh, not tomorrow. Yeah. A couple of days. We got the, we got the yep. uh, video session we got, we have to do for one of our clients. Um, but got a um, studio that, booked for us. So okay. yes, thank you very awesome. much. Uh, <laughs> it was great talking to all of you guys and uh, see you next time. Pleasure yeah. having you, Jen. Thank you. See you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. Yeah. It was fun. You've been skipping him kind of bump. Have you noticed that, James, or is that just me? No, yeah, it's definitely it's, Tara seems like he's yeah. fallen down a well. Yeah, I think it's my internet connection here. Uh, yeah, you're freezing and it's it's really choppy. So yeah, I mean, we got through the interview, but yeah, I just barely got through the interview. Sam was giving me these wide eyes, being like, "What is Taro doing?" I don't know if you can see that he's like, "What on earth is he doing?" He's Why like, is he? Uh, what, where is I noticed this internet connection. Yeah, it's the Biz House internet connection here. <laughs> Let me see. I mean, there's just an example right there, Taro. That's what you're doing. Look, look. I can't even like uh, try to fix it because I'm. I'm are you at I'm, home or are you at the office? No. I'm I'm at the office, but I'm I'm worried that it's gonna like mess up the uh, hmm. the, the the podcast if I try to ch- try to change it. I, I'm yeah, you know, oh, it, it definitely will. It definitely I, will, Tara. So what we should do is well, we maybe, should go to Sam's maybe, segment. Maybe first. this is the reason why it's not. No, What's well, the Wi-Fi sucks here. This this. Oh, okay. This, all right. Well, you know what? Without uh, so just to keep everything going, let's uh, let's just go. I'm going to jump right into my segment. Um, yeah. And then this. give us just going to say which one would you like to do first, Sam? Would you uh, like to do the yellow one or would you like to do the electric one? Oh, you know what? Let's. Uh, they're both electric, but let's I know. Do, but, well, uh, what, wait, J- James. What What do you think? Which one should we do first? Well, let's do the yellow one first because yeah. I've just got okay, that pulled up. Scoop. Okay. And uh, we could just go from there. So give us a second to sort of blow yeah. the picture up because you gave me a thumbnail. Hey, can I can oh, I try to can I try to fix this you, uh, one second? One? Can I try to fix this one second? I might be like I might go for it. You might go, you might go for lose it, me for a couple sure. seconds, but uh, I, I'm sure the the meeting won't go down. So let me hopefully if it does, we'll just you know and uh, reconnect. I was going to say, Seth. second break so it makes it nice and easy for me to edit as well How's oh, okay yeah okay good i'm back better uh, uh, you're better? still you're frozen you voice is like... better your oh, image yeah. is frozen though oh, no, now it's back yeah, it's... It's, it's a great blink and you look like you're yeah, in like you're... 320 by 160 <laughs> resolution <laughs> really well, I like yeah. yeah he's still there he's looking <laughs> like a robot right now yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. You're totally roboting. Yeah. All right. Oh man. Oh, all right. So give. I will just start sharing, and then we could just go from there. So give me one second, okay. and away we go. Man, what's the matter with this thing today? Okay, there it is. Okay, so the car you see there isn't some very futuristic, weird new Supra or anything like that. It's a. It's car a hatchback, isn't it, Sam? <laughs> yes, it is. Well, it's a car we've been talking about a lot lately, uh, just because of the rumors of uh, that it, it's coming back. And yes, it is the Celica. And the reason this car is making news right now is our ninja otakus or otaku ninjas um, have uncovered that uh, Toyota is uh, still playing around with hydrogen, but not uh, the uh, hydrogen fuel cell engine that we have accustomed to know, or we have come to know from uh, their 
Toyota Mirai, um, but a combustion engine that runs on hydrogen. And they are developing one right now. And this is, a, this is not rumor uh, for racing. Um, they have a 1.6 liter turbocharged inline three that uh, uh, it is the Toyota Corolla um, Sport, the GR, the, uh, the Yaris um, GR that they have modified and it will be uh, running on compressed hydrogen gas rather than liquid uh, gasoline. Now, um, people are partly going, so what, you know, why hydrogen combustion engine? What are the, uh, the benefits? Well, you know, traditionally the hydrogen combustion engine, there really wasn't a, much of a benefit because it's, you know, it, it's not water vapor that uh, there is some nitrous nitrogen oxide that's in their exhaust. So it wasn't really popular, but it looks like Toyota's working with it because they think they could probably make it work and make it very, very clean. And of course, you know, Toyota's the, um, uh, uh, in the forefront of the fuel cell um, engine, which is uh, uh, hydrogen that you turn to uh, uh, make elect an electric electricity, so an electric car. Now this one, it is a hydrogen engine that is combustible like in a, uh, in a gasoline right in a gasoline engine right now so uh, so Thursday uh, Toyota said they are um, developing a hydrogen powered engine for uh, the 24-hour race at Japan's Fuji Speedway which is scheduled later this month so you can see the um, uh, the race car with the hydrogen combustion engine in action this month now the rumor is they're going to put that engine into a new model, sporty model, and that's where the Celica comes into the picture. Uh, those are what the rumors are, but our Ninja Otaku says it probably won't make it into a production car. Uh, the, if a new Celica is to come out, and they say in about two or three years, it will have a regular, it will be a regular EV or a fuel cell hydrogen engine. So. Either way, it's going to be an electric engine. But what we do know is Toyota did register the Celica for a trademark. So um, we do know it's coming back, or Toyota's really thinking hard about coming, uh, bringing it back. And this is uh, Best Car uh, gave us this rendering of from, you know, um, talking to all the designers and, you know, probably paying off a whole bunch of little spies on um, how the thing's going <laughs> to look. And um, what do you guys think? Uh, not just about the Celica, not just about how it looks, but should it come back? Uh, what kind of power plant should it have? All that good stuff. And is it a hatchback? Well, of course it is. Of course it's a hatchback. I mean, that car we're looking at right there, that two-seater. This one doesn't look like a hatchback. Is I mean, this is a clearly a hatchback. I can't see anything that stands out like, more This one doesn't look like this, a hatchback, okay? And this, this looks Celica, like a sports car. <laughs> otaku image that you're providing us to talk about the new Celica sports car. This, uh, but what do you guys think? Celica, yay or nay? James, Carl? Carl, go first. Well, I think yay. Yeah. Yeah, you I think mean, there's room for Celica and not just in the market, but in Toyota's lineup? I think so. I think so. I mean, Celica, the brand is is pretty, you know, familiar. Everyone's familiar with it. It's, 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 uh, I don't know if I would say it, it has the iconic um, status that some of the other, you know, Toyota uh, models well, have. It was but never really a high performance sports car, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and kind of like, 
know, like apart from at, when it when it won the World Rally Championship. But other than that, no, well, it wasn't really. Like, but yeah, yeah how, but, how long ago was that, James? Were you, you know? I mean, that's right. the best sleeker there was the nineties, where they cheated I, I, and won the championship. But yes, that's another story. I, I don't think I don't think I was even born then. So let's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> DT4 and, I yeah, thought you before, were hitting your fifties in your nine in the nineteen nineties, Sam. Before his time. So, but like looking anyway, at this yeah. rendering, I think like the size uh, wise, it's it's you know but it's a Celica size, right? I think the, it's too sporty. I think I don't think it's going to be this sporty. A Celica, yeah, the thing the thing with the Celica like is that like the the looks are very sporty, but the performance don't really. The, my my kind of like idea of the Celica is like. It looks good, but the performance doesn't really you know, follow. That, I, th I, I totally get what you're saying. I think that's the that was the case with the very last Celica we had. Remember the little two door? Yeah, which yeah, was yeah. a hatchback, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and that one really looked good. It drove pretty good too. But you know, of course, I think that one was front wheel drive also. It but, was front wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was a you know that was a I thought it was a very attractive car, but it just did not take you know internationally in the in the. Uh, sports coupe market back then but yeah um as an electric car would you be interested um like what kind of electric car uh either a fuel cell or a long you know uh one with that has a long like a, a full full ev range. yeah yeah full ev yes you know someone was, just, someone was just telling me like um they just bought a plug-in um mm -hmm. a plug-in hybrid mm -hmm. and they were saying that um the uh you know, it's it's an EV, but you don't have the anxiety of you know uh, of, of of a regular EV because you you have that small uh, small engine, but you still small engine have to put in gasoline there. in that thing too. You you do, know, but yeah. this this oh, guy. You might, well, actually, you don't. You, you, you don't. Use it. You don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't. Yeah. You he's he yeah. said he's had the car for three months and he hasn't put in any gas in it just yeah. because he just goes. You know, he just drives around town, and the performance of uh, this car. Uh, he has a Prius plug-in hybrid, but he says it's like nothing like, you know, a, a gasoline Prius that he's had in the past because right, of, right, he's got right. all the torque from uh, of the right, EV. Right, and right. yeah, he says it's like zips around town and it's like super, you know, actually it's like sportier than than some of the other, you know, Toyotas he's he's ever driven. And he's a, he's a car enthusiast. So. so it sounds like you like the idea of an all-electric Celica. Yeah. I think it's there's a possibility for sure, um, especially I, I, because I, I the Celica is not like a full be, blown. Yeah, yeah because it should be the Celica is not a EV. I do. Yeah, I yeah. It come with a gasoline engine, you know, just because mm -hmm. they they got to start somewhere, and a Celica yeah. would be a good good brand to start with, just because it's exactly. not super sporty like a Supra, you know. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah, and you know, it's not like a you know a, a you know um, total exactly. economy car like a you know a Corolla right. or a, a, uh -huh. a Prius, so. I think yeah. a Celica would be a great place for them to kind of start establishing a uh, uh, EV, sporty EV, you know, EV brand. I mean, yep. Yep. And J uh, unbelievably, James is nodding his head, meaning he agrees with me. Yeah, of course. I, I generally agree with you, Sam. You know this. But uh, I mean, I think the only thing we disagree on is obviously that the Celica is a hatchback. But I would concur that I think it would be a good move for them to go straight into this as their sportier electric vehicle. I mean, obviously, we've got the sporty side with uh, the RAV4 Prime, uh, but that's not really sports for in a in a going around corners kind of way. It's just the more power that that vehicle, that combination, yeah, the combination of the petrol and the electric plug-in hybrid sort of works for that as well as Tara mentioned. 
So I think that if they were to sort of compete now where we're seeing electric cars going, we obviously see the market that were, especially in the luxury side, for example, with Audi going in there um, at the higher end in regards to driving a sports yes, car that's electric. I mean, it makes sense that these other cars are going to come across. We've obviously seen the Korean manufacturers going in that route with their vehicles. Well, don't so, forget GM and Volkswagen too. They're very aggressive with their uh, EV um, programs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I could see it makes certain sense for them to go in this route. The only thing that, that I often obviously hesitate with on their fuel cell vehicles would be obviously hydrogen making itself availability is still a difficult one. Infra it's difficult. Infrastructure, absolutely. Yeah, so hydrogen is yeah. obviously difficult. If they were able to sort of work a, a plan in with all their dealerships to have a hydrogen network where you could refuel at a Toyota dealership, absolutely. that'd be a great idea, but I don't know how realistic that would be at this time. I don't know. So. You know, James, I mean, you know what, what Elon Musk has done with uh, the charging stations for, for his uh, Teslas all over the country, you know, especially here in California. You know, uh, I, I think if Elon Musk could do it with uh, with his EV stuff. Uh, Sam, I think you're being giving him far too much credit there in regards to getting electric vehicle stations. There's many, many companies in that space that are operating in there. that are, they are going. But, I, I, but you know what? He spearheaded it and people, you know, the other companies came on board to uh, spearhead it with other companies. You know, if there's a buck to be made, people are going to come on board. Of you know course, I mean? people are. It's a it's uh, capitalism. It's a great thing. Um, it is. It is. But. I do think that the infrastructure for hydrogen is more difficult than, say, where you can get electricity from the mains and then wrap it, is. it up. It, no, well, that's for sure. It is. So I, I, I like I love fuel cell technology. I think it's. it's and let's let's yeah. also be honest. I mean, Elon Musk didn't go into your everyone's house and give you electricity in your house, and that's a very charging, nice charging station. That you've got a home that you don't have to go anywhere for. You can go and charge while you're asleep, which is the easiest way to charge any electric vehicle. Okay. <clears throat> So that's where I also see the challenge. You don't have a tap for hydrogen at your home that you can plug straight into to get that charge at home, which was the other downside, I will say, for the, the FCV. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, um, um, where there's a will or where there's a buck, there's a way. So we will see. <laughs> so the EV, I think that we're all in um, agreement that the Celica EV is a very good idea. And uh, if... It looks like this great, but it's this. This almost looks like a Ferrari. I can see a Celica looking like this. So I think the the artist at Best Car maybe had a bit of a. I don't. Uh, they got a bit carried away, maybe. Yeah, Sam, yeah, I think they say. got carried away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest though. I mean, Toyota have already got a two uh, two door uh, Mirai that's a fuel cell vehicle, so it would seem True. unusual for them to go down that route at this point in time. Um, I think it's maybe looking. them testing at the At this water. point in time, correct. And I think it's them maybe testing the wards and seeing where it goes, if they can go a little sportier, maybe have the Mariah and the Celica do the FCV range. Yeah. Makes a good, good compromise. So anyways, that's the, what we got from our Ninja Otakus. The Celica lives. It will be returning. They uh, actually filed their patent for it again, so or registered the name again, so we know it's coming. So good job, heard Ninja it here first. So, and let's make sure this gets up on YouTube, Taro. Uh, early before other people <laughs> jump on this and they beat us to you know even though we had it early so i got I my best a... man on it i got my best man on it james okay. oh james <laughs> wait i thought it was someone else so well okay. it'll be cut up it'll be cut up this time tomorrow sam oh, whether it goes oh, online yeah. or not it's a different story that's that's not his best man at that point that's obviously <laughs> his better man yeah better man 
So, okay, so jumping uh, straight from uh, Toyota's EV to an EV that Toyota has helped out on, uh, and they helped again, there's the Toyota Subaru uh, collaboration. So Subaru and Toyota have uh, um, worked and Subaru has come out with a completely new electric uh, vehicle called the Solterra. And uh, it will, it'll be uh, Subaru's very first fully electric model. They introduced this this morning, so, or two days ago, if we're, gonna, if we're on, on uh, air on Thursday. Um, this new SUV uh, will be supported or built on the Subaru eSubaru global platform, which uh, Subaru developed, uh, co-developed with Toyota. Uh, and, you know, splitting development for these guys cuts a lot of the costs and, you know, it opens the door to a variety of new models and this is one of them. So Subaru with this vehicle is, um, of course, you know, with uh, the electronic uh, motors and all that the technology, but they're uh, making it super safe. So they are really, really uh, concentrating on passive safety uh, with this uh, vehicle and uh, it will be all wheel drive. Um, let's see. It has to be uh, all wheel drive. Yeah, because it's Subaru pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not too much, uh, we don't have any horsepower numbers, any power numbers. Um, the size is kind of what you see here, you know, um, you could guess, but it is an SUV uh, and it will hit the market in mid to 2022. They said and it'll, it will be uh, available here in US, uh, Japan, Canada, Europe, and China too. So. Uh, and then they've uh, probably Australia too. So um, that's it. These are the yeah. teaser images that Subaru have. Subaru has a uh, 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 supply. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna um, have a challenge, I think, with this car. I think really, Just be, I, yeah. I don't think so. If they bring it in below, like the e-tron or uh, you know, Porsche's making the. They've already said they're going to come out with an all-electric Macan. So, well, uh, see, the know. the thing with Subaru cars is that. Um, really, I, I yeah I yeah. Well, I, I think there's going to be a huge market for this. Well, I, I, I mean, think, this is the Subaru I, crowd. You know, they're the yeah, outdoorsy, I, environmental. You know. Yeah, but you know, these Subaru users like to take their cars, like, mm -hmm. well, at least the image you know, I, I'm sure 90% of them just drive in, in town, but uh, they like taking it out like into the wilderness. And if yeah. there's, if it's an EV, you know, it's the, there's a, there's the issue of that, that, that charging again. Well, like, I mean, it, Hey, if I'm going to take the Solterra out into the, into the woods or whatever, I will make sure it's fully charged. And I have like a, you know, 250 mile, you know, range well, and, you know, I'll make yeah. sure my, my trip's going to be a hundred miles, 120 well, miles or less. Well, the problem <laughs> is that like at these, uh, you know, campsites or, you know, if you're like way out in the woods, you can't, you can't charge it overnight. Like you, you could anywhere else. No, not unless you have a little generator, but like you said, Taro, 90% of the, you know, that 90% SUV owners, 95% SUV owners uh, don't take their off-road car vehicles off-road once. You yeah. Know, so yeah, I guess so. But um, really, I, I, I mean, put it this way, I would be interested in uh, taking a look at this car because, you know, our, our next car or SUV is going to probably be an EV, you know, so mm, yeah, yeah, you know, we're looking at the e-tron now. I don't know if we can look, wait for the Macan because Macan's like 2023 or 2024. Mm -hmm. and so, I mean, that's what you need for your island in Hawaii is the electric Macan. 
that yeah. would be perfect. It actually, uh, not my island, you know, my my pad on an island. Oh, <laughs> sorry, your your palatial <laughs> mansion on the yeah, island. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I'm you own island. in Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> All the royalties from the second book and the movie deal. Exactly. You know, he'll, be, he'll be buying an Sam will be buying an island pretty well, soon. Uh, I think he'll be buying more than one. Well, uh, if the market is what it, the stock market did, what it's doing the last week, two weeks. Uh, I'm going to be moving in with James Ricardo here. <laughs> so, hey, the, the so scene... James, uh, make sure you have a vehicle ready for me. Okay. I like that he just said that he's going to be moving in with both you and I, Tara. Oh, yeah, Does well, that mean well, are we moving in together as well? No, no, and then no, Sam's no, joining no, us? No, is that no, or is he swapping when you guys kicked When one of you guys kicked me out, I'm going to the other guy's place. I'm just going to be. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the James, next podcast, uh, po uh, Sam can be in the background there, you know, exactly. behind the bed. I can be, be sitting on that. That, that fake bed you got back there. That's <laughs> so right. James, uh, you haven't told me your uh, take on the Solterra. I, I will say that I do really, really enjoy the designer mud that they have added to this uh, teaser image that we've got here. Yeah, go back to the normal names. You know, I wonder what they're going to do with the grill because, you know, the EV doesn't need a grill. I wonder why it's, that's why they... It's they just going to be a load of plastic there, Sam. You know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a load of plastic. And I mean, it almost looks like an Audi from here, doesn't it? Uh, that's because I think it's got those LED headlights, but yeah. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, a precursor to where we see Toyota come in 2023 with the RAV4 electric. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was going to see this is going to come through. We've already, already got the RAV4 Prime, which is the plug-in hybrid. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go full electric with the RAV4 and then swallow this market completely. I mean, this looks, it looks very much like the RAV4. That's, not beat around the bush here. It looks very similar to it. Um, we know that four-wheel drive uh, SUVs are successful. They're a good market. They make margin. Uh, this is going to be, I think it's going to sell well. I don't think it's going to have the volumes of some of the other manufacturers. It, it, I mean, I can't see it being Audi e-tron price point. No, I can't. Um, but, plus. you know, Subarus are a little more expensive than you know, your normal yeah. Well, no Japanese cars, you know, they are premium Japanese. So. Yes, but I could see this one maybe coming in at between 40 to 50 as opposed to yeah. uh, 70 to 80. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's, you know, mid next year. So it's it's coming yeah. up. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. great to see. It's coming yeah, great to see. Sure. So anyway, I mean, so good. Everyone likes everyone. Uh, it'd be interested. Uh, Taro's not too too keen on it. So Taro's just worried. He's going to have uh, some kind of a... Um, uh, solar panel on the on the on the roof or something like that with to charge the, the air conditioning. Yeah, with the name Sol Solterra, you know. Well, sun and land, and, right? And Solterra, land, right? So, yeah. I mean, so, it makes. I mean, it's after. Uh, obviously, we saw that with the Nissan with their solar panels on it. It helped with the air conditioning, so it makes sense mm -hmm. too. Why not? But, but Taro, you know, this this uh, teaser image. It's just the teaser image, so uh, you don't expect the car to be in that environment where you see there because no <laughs> all the time yeah yeah exactly That's what i'm saying I'm, i mean i'm a visual dude so it's like when i see that it's like where am i gonna get you know where am i gonna get to recharge this battery you know it's it's kind of like scary i don't want to be caught in the middle uh, of nowhere not, this, this is probably like 10 miles from a city so <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, but anyways, that's that's my uh, that's my report for today. So I will hand it over to Mr. McKeown. Perfect. I will give you one moment, and we'll get into my little review for Tara. Have you got anything that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I got I got oh, my uh, 
I got the I got the mitts uh, mitts news that we want to just just uh, you way, jump uh, right into that yeah, mitts. By the way, news. your uh, your feet is your feet is you fixed your feet much better. Yeah, I, his I, feet. I, are, I, did you talk about his feet, Sam? I don't think it's this that feed, kind of podcast. Feed, feed. I plugged it in. I plugged in to the. Uh, whoa, not that. Oh my right. word! What are we seeing, Tara? Oh my word! What is yeah, that? Anything, so. Yeah, and you're not seeing anything. You guys, you guys see this? Oh, there it is. Uh, what and oh, is in that yeah, picture the on the right? Yeah. What I mean, yeah. I'm perplexed by what's happening underneath hey, that picture there. Yeah, Tarl, that's that a, picture is not good. The one that's on the an right. ad. What is that? I, I don't yeah. know. That's someone's it's, belly. I don't. I don't know. Don't yeah, I don't know how that even happened, but uh, <laughs> it's it's this uh, Kuruma no News. So it's a Japanese. <laughs> these Japanese sites, man, they're terrible. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna expand this. Oh, you're gonna hide that? Hide that? Yeah, book. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I just, are we gonna go to K1 Speed? Is that what our next trip is? is that's where we're going. Yeah, is let's this go. A, yeah, is this a, a plug? Yeah, advertising. Speed. Targeted advertising. I don't know what you guys are looking at. K1 Speed left there. You just went past. Yeah, it's all right. We there. don't need to go to the dirt. There, top Birthday of the page. Party. Oh, okay. Let me turn this thing off. There. How's that? Better? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's in so, Japanese. So yeah. You, uh, yeah. So you know. It came out today that um, this is not from any otaku ninja or anything. Um, I'm yeah. looking at that, uh, that horrible. horrible. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. some <laughs> Japanese ad. It's some Japanese ad. Can we just touch on what that picture is again one more time for our listeners and our viewers? Yeah, I don't. We need to unsee that. Okay. So, uh, how did Sam's uh, belly get on the? That's not my yeah, belly. Thank, thank <laughs> God, this belly. is a podcast. It's an audio podcast. It's, it, I guess <laughs> one thing could be said, Tara, was that if it was Sam's belly, to be much hairier, but that's a different story. Oh God, you're this. Oh, this conversation going the wrong way. Okay. Okay, let's get back uh, on track. Yes. So, uh, Mitsubishi announced that Rally Art, mm-hmm. the Rally Art brand, the motorsport brand for Mitsubishi, is uh, is making a comeback. Yep. Uh, and this was officially announced at their uh, this year's uh, shareholders meeting. They did a, a, a financial um, report and uh, Mitsubishi announced that the rally art name is going to be uh, coming back. Um, it, it, it's we all know it's a strong name. Um, everyone knows it through their rally um, activities. Mm-hmm. Um it's been gone for a while, probably gone for close to 10 years, but they're, they're, they, they announced that they're bringing it back with some aftermarket parts and they're going to be looking into um, racing activity as well. So they did not announce that um, they're going to be coming back into racing, but they did announce that, um, what did they say here? So they said officially Mm-hmm. that they will be coming out with parts and they are going to be seriously looking into uh, motorsports activities with the rally art name. So that's, that's good news because Mitsubishi has been completely away from uh, motorsports uh, for, for quite some time. I, I can't remember the last time they were in motorsports. Maybe uh, they did some, well, I, I remember they were in Pikes Peak. Uh, they did the Pikes Peak Challenge uh, with that electric car uh, maybe six, seven years ago. And I know they were doing some uh, rally activities in uh, Southeast Asia with their um, 
uh, EVs, right? Uh, Plug-in hy hybrid EVs. Right. Um, but uh, well, that's going to be interesting. To see what they're going to yeah. do because you know they're not. I, I you know they don't have any you know vehicles. They don't have a, yeah, they don't, have a, plat, they don't, don't have a car. They, you know the Mirage is not a rally car, so WRC I think is out of the question. Yeah. So if anything, it'd be nice to, if they do racing. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do motorsports. I mean, unless Nissan's going to pump a lot of money into that, you know, company, you know, the Alliance. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, it would be nice to see Mitsubishi back in those kind of rallying, you know, like uh, Paris Dakar or, yeah. you know, some of those, you know, some of those. Uh, I think uh, Paris Dakar would be or Dakar. Yeah. yeah but you yeah, know, Dakar. it's right. It's run the car in, rally. You know, South, yeah, the, South America. Well, it, yeah, no, but yeah, the Dakar rally is would be a smart guess, I think. Um, maybe, yeah, not gonna, yeah, I mean, they yeah. said they're they're going away from you know automobiles or you know these passenger cars altogether. They're just going to mm -hmm. do SUVs and crossovers. So right, right. So yeah. with the crossover, maybe you know a super decked out crossover, uh, yeah. the Dakar rally might be a, a yeah. good choice. And you know, it's not a, it's it's a one shot deal, you know? So it, I think the investment's not going to be as much as like a full full season in WRC or something like that. So um, it, well, and, yeah, nevertheless, and I, don't know, cool, I don't know how cool competitive news. the Dakar rally is now because I don't know how many of the big, you know, uh, manufacturers are putting all the, you know, are being involved. I think it's a lot of private entries these days, especially- No, it's, it's many crush it. I think many were six out of the top nine and then last year's one. Which one? Let's say many. that again, Mini. Mini. Oh, really? Mini yeah. is. Okay, mm. Mini is. Okay, so ergo, therefore, BMW, you mean, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it's Mini's, yeah. it's Mini's big driver. That's their big mm. focus for their, mm. okay. for their motorcycle. And they mm. absolutely, and it's, uh, they've got the thing, there was the three liter turbo diesel they use in the car. So it's not, I mean, it's a shell of a Mini, but it's not a Mini. Right. No, well, I mean, Mitsubishi, maybe they could take on Mini, you know, if it's just Mini, but, you know, who knows? But it, yeah, it's nice to see there's some little bit of, enthusiasm back in that you know the mitsubishi brand because yeah, you know, yeah before they used to have such so many cool cars you know of, of course including the evo even the member the pajero evolution pajero oh, yeah evo, you oh, know yeah yeah so so yeah. it looks like the 2022 dakar rally is going to be in saudi arabia no they're going to saudi arabia now yeah mm -hmm. south america has just been killed but cold you know COVID. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so. cool well that's good news thank you taro Yep. Good news, though. Nevertheless, yeah. we like hearing we'll see that. see how it of. pans out. Yeah. Yep. So it's James? Old... Sure. We'll just give you one moment and I'll get this set up. Of together. course. Of course. Old Lewis is just freaking killing it. That's not human. Remember, we talked about it, Sam, and you thought that they were going to be pushed this year and you were like, I think it's going to be a really I difficult know. season well, for them. I... Well, they are kind of pushed in every race, but. <laughs> they, they uh, by by pushed, you mean by the team pushes the car well, onto the podium yeah, for first okay. place? I mean, well, I think it's uh, Max, I think it's, Max is having a pretty good year. Come on, so if you say Max is having a pretty good year, I think you're negating the fact that Lewis Hamilton has the best start ever to the for, uh, Formula One season with three wins in <laughs> second in his <laughs> first four races. <laughs> so I mean, okay, so go ahead, goes. James. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to. Don't worry about Sam. You often you often report. I was just say you often interrupt me. I'm just used to it now. Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad. But however, what I'm going to really focus on first, let's get this up and running, is the Mazda 3 2.5 liter turbo hatchback that I spent a week with recently. Mm, 
Oh, nice. Is this your review for the for the day? It is. It's going to be my review for the day. So this is the, uh, I would say it's a changing around of the, the Mazda 3 hatch. It's almost looks Dan. like the uh, Subaru picture I just, <laughs> just saw. You know, well, <laughs> this is what happens Sam, when you get designers and people. For, uh, so this is obviously the car that was released last year. Uh, I got spent some time with it. And I will say that um, for a $35,000 sporty hatchback, Eesh. it it really was a good option. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Getting up there, 35000 Well, obviously, we know. We've talked about it in the past that Mazda are moving away from their sort of the previous right. image they have right. to be looking towards a more targeted approach at the European makers. I mean, mm -hmm. I think this, this vehicle in particular is up against the Audi A3, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class, and the BMW 2 Series, mm -hmm. which, funnily enough, are all around this size displacement are all turbocharged, um, but are significantly more expensive than the $35,000 price point that this comes mm -hmm. in. Uh, this comes in 250 horsepower, 320 pound-feet of torque, 2.5 liter turbo. The engine comes from their SUVs, the CX-7 and the CX-9, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, and But it, it looks really good. I mean, I think it's an attractive car. You get the wing on the back, you get the dual exhausts, um, some Go faster arrow on there that make it looks nice. There's me obviously walking around the background there. Oh, I thought that was some kind of assassin or hitman. No, oh, I always keep my cars in a glass box. That's how that's how you do it here in Hollywood. And uh, you wear your suit around the house. Is that is that how naturally? You do it? Naturally, I mean it's COVID. I always dress up every morning in the big. Yeah. But uh, some things I like the digital the digital dashboard was great. Head up display, which I thought was excellent because it was at a nice height. It was nice and bright. Had preemptive signs that came on. Uh, the red leather interior was fantastic. Um, and it's it really was, I thought, a good-looking car. Um, 0 to 60 in six, uh, 5.9 seconds, so six seconds, give or take. But you never really felt that fast because it was a nice, luxurious car, um, which is one of the reasons why I liked it so much. And it looks good. You get the front. Yeah, it's a good-looking car. It's yeah, a good-looking yeah. well, car. I like, I like this Mazda 3. Yeah, the Kodo design, you know? Yeah, so this comes moves away on from the Kodo design language that they use, and the Jimba Itai, I think, was the one before that. But, I mean, if you're looking at that price point, $35,000 for a sporty car that was understated and luxurious, I think this is a really good option. Mm. Um, it's yeah. got everything you need inside. It's got, uh, like, this unique, I think it's... Uh, uh, Traffic jam assist, which basically can drive the car for you below 40 miles an hour. Um, so that was super handy for stop and go situations when I was out in traffic. Um, it's got all the safety features. It had the top down 360 view. Like I said, the leather inside was very nice. It was comfortable. Eight-way adjustable driver's seat, um, heated steering wheel. I mean, it's got everything that you're looking for. It looks good. It drives nice. What I may say is it was a little bit stiff on the suspension. So for someone that was not looking for a sportier ride, it might be a little bit much for the vibrations and so forth, but I didn't mind that because I like the sportiness of it. But I mean, it's it's a good car. It's definitely a lot different than Mazda Speed 3 or the Mazda Speed Mazda 3 that came out previously, which mm -hmm. is all torque steer from the front. Uh, this being all wheel drive, it just just everything feels more solid, just feels like you're moseying around, it's good. Um, I will say that I think that it did definitely need um, nicer tires on it. I thought the mm. tires were a bit squirrely and a bit loud. I was going to ask you about them, yeah. 
What kind of tires does it come with? Um, I can't remember. I think they were more of a budget range. I think if it, uh, the cars previously that I'd driven before and after this both had the Michelin Pilot Sports 4Ss. I think mm-hmm. if you if you split out for them, because I mean, the wheels look beautiful. Those 18-inch forged BBS wheels look incredibly Yeah, they attractive. look really nice, yeah. But I do think that it could do with some stickier rubber. So that's obviously what you get in a downside with buying a, a mass-produced car as opposed to a sports car kind of thing yeah. but what 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 was the difference uh did you think about the uh difference between the mazda speed three and this one well the mazda speed three had an off it was front wheel drive um so an awful lot of torque steer this mm. has all wheel drive it was incredibly smooth it had uh, a gi back i think it's called what is it there's a, a special vectoring system in place so when you're into the corner it would ease off the throttle and the braking to balance it out for you. So you didn't have to sort of manage that to get you a smooth into the corner and out of the corner, which I thought was nice. Um, so it felt like the performance was there, but it just was the tires were a little loud. If that makes sense. A little Do they have a, and obviously they don't have a manual version for this car. No, this car only comes in the six speed automatic mm. as opposed to the, regular Mazda's three, which comes mm-hmm. in the four-wheel drive, six-speed ma- uh, six manual. I see. But, but it sounds like you liked it quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, I will say with the, for this one coming mm-hmm. through, I thought this was a very good car. If someone was saying, um, I'd like to go something that's sporty, uh, but has a good bit of room in and luxurious, I'd, and I want to spend less than $40,000, mm-hmm. it's a great car for that. I mean, it hits that niche spot. It's not as expensive as the German luxury brands, but mm-hmm. it has all the luxury inside. And um, it's a good looking car. I will say that. It looked really nice when it was parked in the garage. Yeah, it does look nice. Uh, in your garage there too. Yeah, especially. See, I mean, this is what my garage is like. I mean, I've I know, got my I chair, know. my big TV. You got your uh, little, uh, your little uh, assassin there, your hitman. So you I'm, see me walking I mean, away there outside. That's not you. That's not you. Come on. Are you, I, mean, I don't know. Are you I, sure? I, I mean, it I looks think, yeah. a lot like me. Yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, it looks a lot like you, James. I don't want to land on your parade there. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is a very luxurious car, and that's that's one of the things I liked about it. Um, uh, it could, I will say, um, it does obviously have the, the commonplace thing now, which is the speakers obviously help with a little bit of the exhaust noise. Um, I think it could have done with a little bit more natural exhaust out the back. They were very quiet, even though it had the nice two exhausts out the back, as you see there. Um, but they could have, I would have liked them to be a, bit, a little, little bit louder as well. But that's that's the, the tweaks that you make when you get your car, right? To make it more of an individual. Yeah. Inside, obviously, it's got the mud cons. It has the Bose stereo, which was lovely. Apple CarPlay, uh, Android Auto. Mazda Connect, everything you need to go, everything you expect for in a modern car. It sounds it's, like a pretty good deal for 35K though. Yeah, now, now that you're, yeah, now it sounds like a good deal. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. You get the LED <laughs> LED headlamps, uh, headlamps yeah. uh, everything else is thrown. I mean, you've got all the fancy mod cons, all the driver assists that you need. It's like I said, I thought for $35,000, this is a really good option to look out there. Yeah. Awesome. Just need new awesome tires. I wish, yeah, I wish I would. I, Look, I, I mean, came, back, came by and let me drive it. 
Sam, uh, you know I can't let you drive any of the cars. I don't trust your driving, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, you could anyone, Taro, if you wanted to live with this, I mean, I think that if you did want to have this as a car and then maybe switch around and do some like more enthusiastic driving, you could put a different set of wheels that you could put on there if you were to go someplace, and that's why mm-hmm. you have the two sets. But as for driving around town, you don't really notice the the tires at all, if that makes sense. It was just when I was maybe going exactly the speed limit on some of the uh, more canyon type roads here in Los Angeles, where it was a little bit more noticeable. But around mm-hmm. town, you, you you wouldn't notice the difference in the tires. Right. Well, right I mean, right. not too many tires can handle your driving. I mean, you're too much driver for some lot of those tires. I wouldn't say that, Sam. I think this is more especially uh, on a slick surface. I mean, there's just not enough tire to rein in old James's <laughs> mad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he did, he attacks the road. Sam. Oh, he attacks the road with, with let's, a vengeance. Let's, let's be honest here, Sam. I keep challenging you and Taro to some driving, but uh, you are scared, I'll, as far I'll, as I can no, tell. I'll, I'll take you on on driving, <laughs> real driving. Yeah, I'll take you on. <laughs> Look, it's it's real driving every time, Sam. No matter what method it is, I mean. Oh, what, what what should we should we put some put put a wager on this? I mean, should we get, when we get a track next time, if uh, Tara gets a track? Uh, I mean, Tara. We know Tara at the track. He's I think he's banned from Willow Springs after his time there in the Supra when he was just facing the wrong way for most of the day. So I don't know. I don't know if Tara is our best uh, judge on character there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Let's let's put a friendly wager on it. Uh, I am banned at uh, uh, Willow Springs, Streets of Willows. Happy to Sam. We can we can do K one. We can do K one go kart. I mean, we just saw the advertisement there for it. It Next (laughs) to Sam's belly, so subliminal (laughs) message there. All right, but no, if we if we uh, you know there might be a time where we we have access to a track. If 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 we do, it's on, man. That'd be be fun. Look, I mean, uh, anytime you want, Sam. You know if that. it's a if it's a drifting competition, I think uh, James got the uh, got an upper hand. Oh, you can't thing. go all one. You can't go three sixty. Okay, that's not drifting. Okay? If it's a donut competition, <laughs> donut, I think James. Right. I think James I was, is. I think James I is the king here. Challenge James. Oh, oh, I think you're both misconstruing what a donut is. I think Sam could finish twelve donuts well before I can. I mean, look at that physique. <laughs> all right. Okay. Th- thank you, yeah, James. James. You're so petite. <laughs> what's next what's oh, that's next? it i'm done that's it oh okay we're good that's good okay who is our next guest tower um you know uh we are talking to several folks uh right now um none are none are confirmed so i will have to get back to you on that um let me just share a couple things uh going on a gd channel whoa look at all these articles hey. um yeah so uh new article up uh yesterday on the uh, passat r line uh, our uh, dude justin and uh james um report on the lexus rcf fuji edition which we talked about uh on our last episode is up um and it's a, the youtube clip is up as well isn't it the youtube clip is is up as well so uh follow pod speed on all of your um podcast platforms including spotify amazon music we're on we're on we're on every platform now we're, we're there um and you can also enjoy our clips on youtube as well and on gtchannel.com we have uh, articles and our videos all up on gtchannel.com so uh visit us and follow us um we're at 11 000 and- on that uh r36 gtr video 
yeah 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 those those always do good so we're gonna um start releasing uh all of the uh the scoop stuff on youtube and but you can get all the full episodes here on gdchannel.com with micro moments with with the micro moments exactly and uh any any, uh suggestions that you guys have on uh and um well our viewers on guests um hit us up on twitter or instagram we're on all the social platforms so if you'd like us to talk to or invite uh someone in the automotive industry that you'd like to hear from uh let us know sounds good yep that's it okay man well uh number 44 is in the books so it is guys it's been a pleasure and uh we will see you all in two weeks so james McKeown, no breaking podcast uh on all the platforms, right? You could download it. Certainly. I mean, obviously we've had Trevor as our, and then most recent guest was the uh, legendary bodybuilder, Mr. Flex Wheeler. Uh, Our most recent guest in the podcast. Next guest coming up is uh, Josh Robinson. So yeah, I mean, it's a great place. You had a bodybuilder on your show? He's a a car dude? He's a car dude? Wow. Yes. Uh, Four times winner of the uh, Mr. Arnold Trophy in the Arnold oh. Championship. Wow. Uh, I like four or five times runner-up in Mr. Olympia, uh, four-time IBP, well, IBPB winner. Did you get any uh, workout tips from... Uh, well, can't you tell? Uh, he's, 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 he's beefed up there, James. I can tell. That's just only from the 25 minutes that we had in the podcast. It was all from there. He's starting <laughs> but, to juice. He's starting to juice. <laughs> no, I can't keep up with San Matani, Tara. You know this. And you, Tara, Mr. I go surfing every day at 5 a.m. I mean, I'm, I'm nothing compared to you two. <laughs> we need to get some surfers on the show, too, then. Yeah, for sure. That'll be interesting. Who are some surfer car oh, dudes? Yeah, well, you Yasuke. <laughs> yeah. Yasuke from, from, yeah. from top rank. Yeah. yeah so. All right, man. All right. So anyways, thank you. Talk to you guys uh, in Thanks a couple of weeks. All right. So pod speed, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.